Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. Today I have Chris McGlynn, Associate Editor at ESPN. It was a lot of fun talking to Chris. Uh, he has only been at ESPN for a year, but he's been a sports content creator. He's been in sports media for a few years now. He's an ultimate Frisbee fanatic, and as you'll find out, he also is a huge women's sports and college women's college sports fan, which is a lot of fun uh, to discuss. So he has a, an extensive career. He's a writer, podcaster, all-around content creator. He has done live play-by-play before. He has done just about everything from you know sending the notifications to your phone. If you have the ESPN app, Chris has most likely sent you a couple of those notifications, but he is an all-around great dude. And it was a lot of fun talking to him and hearing his story and hearing what he has coming up soon so hope you guys enjoy this episode with chris So today we have Chris McGlynn, nice Irish name, associate editor at ESPN, founder of The Aftermath, SB Nation contributing writer, host of The Ultimate Podcast. Chris, appreciate you hanging out today, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Happy to do this. This is, I've, uh, you know, love podcasts and stuff like that. This is actually the first time though that I'll be on the other end of this. I'm no way. interviewing people. Yeah. Really? First time, man. So I appreciate it. Congratulations, man. Well, congratulations to you and thank you for letting me have the honor. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's amazing, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. I love, uh, I love doing this type of stuff. Um, and, uh, Hey, I, I, I like what you've been doing. I know you had a friend of mine, James Shiano on not that long ago. So I had a chance to listen to that one. That was a yep. great conversation. Check so, out his uh, episode. Yeah, definitely. Come, give come give me a little plug there. Definitely. Yep. No, seriously. Appreciate that you. was, that was a lot of fun. Um, that was a really cool one. You guys have tons of baseball stuff and, uh, a lot more than I, I've known James for a very long time. And I learned a lot more about James than I think I even would have guessed that I could have in that interview. Look at that, man. That's all. I, I legitimately just love this medium. Um, I love doing this. It's by far my favorite thing I get to do. I, I am genuinely interested, right? There, there are so yeah. many cool people in the sports industry doing so many different things. I mean, I'm talking to you today. Um, I spoke with who the heck I spoke with a couple people earlier this week. I spoke with a gentleman who's a former, a Swedish football player, like actual American football. And, and now the project he's working on, like I get to meet so many cool people doing so many cool things. And all I want to do is ask questions. It's how I grew up. Yeah. So why not just keep doing it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I did not know there was football like American football in Sweden. Right. I well, didn't know so that's a thing. After, um, after the, well, I'm going to heavy air quotes collapse of NFL Europe. Um, a oh, lot yeah, of, that was there, yeah, there were a lot of fans that were still legitimately interested in the sport. Um, and they kind of a lot of the players that were there didn't not all, not all of them came back home and there were certain countries that created like eight and ten teams leaked and ten team leagues and he was in one of the leagues in sweden and um yeah he's, he was there for like four or five years played in wow. sweden played in italy yeah and and they said it was like pretty legit like they would get people to come to the games there was media coverage you just don't hear about it because i mean soccer dominates there like oh, you know, yeah. football does here so absolutely yeah, that was what i was doing at sb nation was uh i worked for um coming home newcastle so it was all newcastle united stuff i know that we, that was actually the year that i joined newcastle had just been relegated believe it or not so they Ooh. were down uh, down a division which sucked i'm a big newcastle guy um but it was just still like the amount of coverage it was really hard to watch games but 
uh, the amount of coverage like they had and just it, it didn't matter that they were down now in the English championship. Like it was still the second division of English soccer completely dwarfs anything else in England in terms of sports. It's ridiculous. It's, Other it's than maybe insane. cricket, but I don't really know yeah. a lot about that. Yeah, I still don't understand. I love baseball. Tried to understand cricket. Just I can't do, do it. it. Yeah, I just, just the scoring makes no sense to me. I just don't understand how it takes a week to play a game. Like, <laughs> that too. I, that, that's <laughs> the thing. Like I understand here, like we have three game series, four game series. Those are four different games. It can go three one. It could go four zero. It could go two two. Um, but having a game last an entire week, I, I don't know, man. It just sounds like too much to me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But one. I'm sure I'd love that. it live. I'm sure it'd be awesome live. That's true. Good point. I've never considered that. Right? Hooligans, everything. Everything's better live, right? You gotta mm-hmm. love it. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. So first question: Why do you love sports, Chris? Oh boy, that's a loaded one to get us right off the bat. Yeah, it's uh, nice. It's good. It's the for the love of sports podcast. I have to know why you love sports, right? Exactly. I mean, that's yeah. That's kind of the epitome of all of this, right? Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. I think I always just loved the. I played all sorts of sports growing up. So I played, you know, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, uh, eventually latched on with ultimate Frisbee, which I love. I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit in this because that's a pretty unique answer to the sports that you played while growing up. Um, but you know, it was just a lot of fun. I always loved the, you know, kind of forging those bonds, with my teammates and being a part of it. And very quickly, I don't know. I just kind of was one of those things that loved to watch on TV whenever I could love going to games. I watched my first, uh, NFL game with my dad when I was eight. Uh, the only thing that he really told me was that I was not allowed to repeat anything I heard. Ah. Um, which, you know, understandably so as an eight year old, I heard a lot of uh, swear words for the first time that, you know, or creative more, more than that it was more the creative uses of swear words. That I didn't know were possible before yep. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep. uh, I get but that. yeah, uh, you know, I, I, my, uh, a lot of my family is as well. I loved always watching, uh, especially the NFL, fell like i have my, my cousins and my aunt and uncle lived across town and so you know i was young six seven eight years old we'd start you know they would come over on sundays we'd watch games together and that was just like a really fun family experience my mom my mom actually i'll give her a lot of credit too is a huge football fan um she grew up a giants fan like she grew up during like the prime giants years of like 1980s and stuff like that so you know, she still talks about the big blue wrecking crew and all that. She loves that, loves those uh, 1985, 1986 Giants. Uh, she can still name most of that team. I don't think she can name most of the current Giants team, but she can still name that team very well. So uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's you know, been, definitely been a part of it. My youngest brother is, is really into it as well. He's a huge NBA fan. So it's always just been, you know, kind of one of those things that we always love talking about, kind of gets us something to talk about, to focus on. And, you know, the, the competition's always great, and I love the relationships I've built through it. The, the relationship aspect is awesome, and, and same thing. I mean, we, every Sunday, so my family is very eclectic. Um, my mom grew up a Dolphins fan because she loved Dan Marino. Okay. My dad grew up a San Diego Chargers fan because he loved Dan Fouts. I grew up a Giants fan because I'm here in the New York, New Jersey area, and Philadelphia sure. is the worst place on planet Earth. And my brother Ooh. was a Steelers fan, Okay, um, is a Steelers fan because – for whatever reason, when they drafted Ben Roethlisberger, he was still really young, and he was just like, "That's cool, like all right." And then yeah. for, somehow just became a Steelers fan, and well, so, uh, we um, didn't really understand it. And that's so my whole family were all different than my on uh, my my cousins and aunts and uncles. Um, my uncle's a Raiders fan, my one cousin's a Jaguars fan, the other's a Broncos fan, and and then two Cowboys fans. So like, there's, wow, yeah, it's we're all across the board, man, all across. Yeah, the board. we've. 
I've got some of that as well. So my dad is a Giants fan as my mom is, but she also, I'm a Jets fan. I have been my entire life. And that was a lot of that. Honestly, what I was very little was probably just due to the fact that I liked the color green. Okay. When you're five years old, leaves hey, a very strong impression I, on you. I get that. Um, I wish I had known what I was signing up for then, but you know, here we are 20 years later. And now the truth is, is that like, you know, I, my aunt, my uncle, my cousins were all big Jets fans. And I think that was a big part of it was the fact that they were very, you know, invested. And so I just kind of wanted to have that like, you know, shared yeah. thing with them. Um, my dad's a Giants fan. Uh, you're going to hate this one. My, my youngest brother is an Eagles fan, diehard Eagles fan. Uh, no idea how the hell that happened. Joke's because, on him, man. The joke's on him, not me. Uh, that's mine. Yeah, it's okay. Actually, the joke's, <laughs> the joke's on me because like so far, true. I've had yep, good point. the Giants and the Eagles have won Super Bowls in my my lifetime the last time the jets were even in a super bowl was 51 years ago so i obviously was not around for that but uh yeah and then i've got uh, an uncle and a cousin who are both cowboys fans as well and then uh, i've got a, a youngest cousin who it's funny he he's like a self-proclaimed jets fan but he basically just latches on with like popular players so like he'll just support like there are certain guys that he just becomes like a huge fan of. Like he got really into Ryan Tannehill for one reason or another at one point. He had this a year? Tannehill jersey. No, this was oh. a couple years ago. Now. Whoa, yeah, that he, is kind of weird. Very young. He was maybe like seven when this was happening. Okay, so I don't know we'll what give him the. A pass. Give I think him it pass. was one of those things like he loves to collect. Uh, he loves to collect like player cards and stuff like that. Like you know you get all the different athletes on there, and that was one of the ones that he had. I, I don't know. There are certain players that he's been all over. You know it's. But that's a lot of how sports is these days. Is you yeah, get it's sport. It's player driven, especially. I mean, I think outside of football, football is different. I think than most other sports. But if you look at uh, the NBA, especially, mm-hmm. I think is a great example where mm-hmm. it's just the player. I mean, I'm sure there are so many fans now that are fans of the Lakers just because they're fans of LeBron James. Same thing with the New Orleans Pelicans. It's just because of Zion Williamson. Or and, and to be honest with you, it goes even beyond the men's game. This year, I've loved watching. I try and watch Oregon women's hoops whenever I can because Sabrina Inescu is freaking unbelievable. Yeah, didn't she? Doesn't she have like the record for most triple doubles of like all she time at this point or something? She does. She has the most, uh, yeah, most triple doubles of all time of any college basketball player ever, and that means like That's men's, women's, yeah, yeah, like that includes like Oscar Robertson, like that, uh-huh. like, yeah, like that includes like some of like the very best college basketball players we've ever seen. And guys that were known, like the men's players that were known for triple doubles. And, and granted, Robertson, I guess, did a lot of that more once he was yeah, in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, she is just so much. I actually had a chance to go watch play live a couple weeks ago. They were playing UConn. Uh, I live in Connecticut now. And so I went out to Gamble. It was my first game at Gamble Pavilion, which was a lot of fun. And so, I mean, UConn got smoked. But yeah. Uh, they it haven't been that close. great this year. They haven't been that yeah. good at all this year. Well, it's, it's funny. It's like they haven't been that great this year. It's all a matter of perspective. It's like the expectation level for UConn women's basketball is to is not lose. so high. My it expectation for them every year is just they go should undefeated. go undefeated. Like that, right. If not, then it's not a good year. But, yeah, they, I mean, they got they got beat up by uh, Oregon. Uh, they got. I, I feel like they have three losses this year, which, yeah. again, South Carolina like crazy, and but, I think – Baylor was the other one, yeah, to, yeah, which yeah. are all very. The thing is that I, I've actually the last two years become very big women's college hoops fan, and it's like kind of the reason why. I think last year was good for the men's side of things, but especially this year, it feels like there there are no dominant teams. There are no there's nobody that's like the the storylines. I feel like just aren't aren't as strong this year, mm-hmm. and that's not like that's not like an indictment on college basketball. It's just you know how it seems to be this year. But the women's game, it's just like there's always like 10 teams that are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, I mean, it's been UConn forever. Uh, Tennessee back in the day was very yeah, good. They're kind of on their it, way yeah. back up now. 
Uh, Baylor has been great. Notre Dame has been really good, but had a massive fall off this year. But the thing is, is like, especially the men's side of things you look at, it's like they get through a couple early season games, might get some really good early season matchups and they go into conference play and Mm -hmm. you know, you might get a couple of decent conference matchups, whatever. But like for the example I could go back to is UConn this year has played Baylor, who's uh, currently ranked in the top five. South Carolina, who in South Carolina, who's currently ranked first in the country. They hosted Oregon, who's a top five team. They played against the U.S. women's national team in a scrimmage in Connecticut. Uh, and they also played against Tennessee. And they, I mean, it should have been a better game, but they also played Notre Dame. So, like, they really have, like, an extremely challenging schedule. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something where you don't get a ton of these top five top 10 matchups this late in the year, unless you happen to have a year where Duke and UNC are really yeah. good or, you know, Kansas and, you know, uh, you know the example this year, actually we're going to get yeah. it this week. Baylor, right? Kansas and Baylor are going to play this week. I think it's maybe tomorrow. I don't remember exactly what it is, but those two are playing. That's a top five matchup. I think it's actually one versus three. So it's just one of those things where you do get a couple of them, but those are all conference games. Like they're out of conference schedule. These teams play in the women's hoops game is incredible they really challenge themselves and it's a lot of fun i love watching the play uh i think the product has come a long way from where yeah. it was mm-hmm. uh that's a big thing i remember when i first you know turned it on i went to syracuse university and when i first got there they were really pretty rough a couple different times but then my sophomore year they made a run to the national championship game and then i watched them play really close with notre dame in a year they went to the final four uh in a home game and then the following year I watched them, you know, just play a couple of really good games. They made the tournament, made a you know, couple, I think they picked up, maybe it was a Sweet 16 run or something like that. But, um, you know, the product overall that I've just been able to watch is, I think, significantly improved, which is a lot of fun to watch. And, I mean, there are some great players there that I think just kind of get fly right under the radar. Absolutely. I mean, well, Elena Deladon a couple of years ago, she was bananas. I mean, Maya Moore yeah. has always been incredible. I love watching I Brianna Stewart, I wish, uh, right? Like, yeah, Stewie's great. I wish Maya Moore would come back. She's yeah, actually yeah, set yeah. out. Mm-hmm. She'll be sitting at a second year now. And the work she's doing is fantastic. Can't, yeah, can't fault course. her at all for that. Yeah. She's like, work, I think she's working on like a, a mission group yeah. to like, so I was like, all right, like if you're going to be like, you know, sitting out a WNBA season, like, guess like that's a pretty good reason to do so pretty but, solid yep yeah i mean della don's fantastic sue bird is is legendary man mm-hmm. she's so much fun to watch Diana tarasi there's some great wmba players i haven't really latched on as much with the wmba i'm really for whatever i mean i think it's the same reason i love watching co- men's college hoops over the mm-hmm. nba a lot of the time i feel like you know you see so many more upsets you know you've got a much shorter seasons so the games seem to matter a lot more March Madness is literally the greatest month of the entire oh, year. hands down. That first weekend, that Thursday to Sunday, oh my all gosh. I do is sit in front of my television. Yeah. I don't care what I need to do. Like, nope. I'll, if I'm at, I, I remember a couple years I was at work and I literally just had like my second screen, the CBS, just to watch what the heck was going on. Like, it oh, was yeah. incredible. And it's, you know, there, there's nothing like it. And I, I totally agree. I actually like um, NCAA more than I do. NBA. I'll watch the playoffs, of course. I'll watch playoff anything. I don't care what it is, but yeah, I will always prefer to watch a college game. Yes, I know the product isn't as good. Yes, I know all all the reasons they can't shoot as well. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, but it's, for me, it's, it's more it's, fun. There's more emotion. Another. In it. Yeah, there's yeah, more emotion in it for me personally um, to watch and enjoy. And even though this year, so I'm a pretty big Duke fan, and this year you say you know UNC UNC's been terrible this year, but that I game have. was still. That game was still the best one of the year, like hands down. So yeah. you know, that's one of those things where it doesn't matter who's good, who's not. You know what you got to do? 
going to throw those record books out, brother. So Yeah, and those rivalries, I think, are great. And that's the thing is I don't think there are those built in. Like, obviously, you used to have Lakers-Celtics as the best example yeah. I could go with, mm-hmm. obviously. That was a phenomenal rivalry that spanned decades. But, I mean, it's been a long time since those really got heated up. I mean, you had a little bit of the that Warriors-Cavs type thing for a few years there, but became very one-sided by the mm-hmm. end of it. Yeah, right. Uh, even if it wasn't even remotely close. And, I mean, other than that, I mean, what, what rivalries do you have? have now in the nba i mean you don't have you know you don't have the bulls and pistons you don't have you know the bad boys push jordan like you don't you know all hopefully these guys in la and la that's the only thing that'll I be good that that's be true fun. hopefully that's for a good that's three or four years but other than that and the worst part is i'm not staying up till one o'clock in the morning to watch those games i'm well i am because that's actually what i do I, perfect. I have to i have to be yeah. there for those things which is fine you know means- you get to be there for those yeah things. come on now you I get, get to, to. Um, oh yeah but, yeah i mean no i'm i'm in bed by like 10 o'clock 10 30 um yeah and i'm trying i, to I usually it. wake up around that same time the next day if not later <laughs> yeah i get that though but that makes sense yeah. if you're you know you, you gotta do what you gotta do man um so yeah. obviously chris you you know a lot about sports and not just all sport, not just like football and baseball and basketball. Obviously, we just spent 10 minutes talking about the WNBA and, and the women's college game, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, you let, let's let's talk about you for a minute. I mean, you're an associate editor at ESPN. Uh, your, your notifications come to my phone every once in a while. You're obviously you're welcome. For SB Nation. Yes, I appreciate you. Um, you like the podcast medium as well. You got, you're on a couple of them. I mean, what is it? What, what was it about sports media that you said, you know what, I want to bank you know, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Well, it's funny, actually, when I first started doing this, I really just wanted to get into journalism in general. I wasn't even so much set on doing sports journalism, which I thought was pretty interesting when I look back on it, because I can't imagine doing anything else now. But, uh, you know, I, I happened to take like a journalism elective when I was in eighth grade. And that was, uh, you know, it was fun. I liked the opportunity to get exposed to it. Uh, we were not very good, obviously, when you're 14, you know, 13, 14 years old, your writing is, uh, you might think it's great. You look back oh, on yeah. it three or four years later and you're like, what? I published this? Oh, goodness. Take <laughs> Those this are, down. Take this down. Yeah, exactly. Those are the things that, you know, you cringe at when you go back. But I mean, you got to start somewhere. And so I took uh, my high school actually has a great high school newspaper. They still run uh, the High Eye. I'll plug WHS, uh, my Westfield High School in New Jersey. Um, and they have a great newspaper program that they do and they've been running for years and they've moved a lot more towards digital in recent years. I was there as they were kind of still, uh, in the earlier stages of that, they had the website, but they were still trying to expand on the amount of content we actually put up there, how we functioned online and stuff like that. Uh, so I did that for three years. You take a journalism one class where it's, you know, half year elective, you don't really do a whole lot. It's a lot of just writing samples and stuff. Uh, the following year you go and it's actually good because you can go and you become a copy editor, which is like a great way to kind of get your foot in the door and really learn the whole process uh, as a junior. And you do that while the seniors, the year above you work on the paper. They're the ones that are writing the stories, publishing everything, but you'll go through and you'll sit down and you'll read these stories and you'll figure out, okay, you know, why does this work? And it really was a great opportunity to just see what they were looking for in terms of student writers. And so then senior year, we step up, we do the paper ourselves and I was pretty resistant to it, honestly, to doing sports because I, I felt like there was always this type of thing where, you know, especially guys in journalism, you get labeled as, oh, you're a sports guy. You might, you know, might not know anything really. You know, oh, you're just doing this so you can cover sports. So I, I actually kind of fought against that a little bit. I, I wanted to do, I think we had like a web editor in chief and I was interested in that position and had looked into potentially doing 
uh, like the op-ed page or opinion editorial page. Um, and I put down sports editor. It's like my third choice. And they sat me down and they were like, why, why is this your third choice? Uh, they're like, it seems like a logical fit for you. And I was like, I, I don't know. Like I just, you know, I think there are other opportunities out there that don't necessarily have to be just because, uh, you know, just sports. Uh, and I think that ended up being something that I found a way to kind of incorporate both into later, but I you know, ended up being the sports editor through my senior year, uh, which was a great opportunity. I loved that experience. And then, uh, as soon as I got to college, you know, started doing, it was one of those things is like, as soon as I started doing it, it was like, yeah, what am I like? Why did I resist this? Like, it was just, it's so much fun. I love, I've always, as you can tell, love to talk about sports. I talk a lot in general. Um, I Me launched, too. yeah, hence why we're doing the podcast. Well, I love thing. this microphone. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, I started a blog when my, I was a junior in high school, um, because mostly because my fiance now, who was my girlfriend at the time was, you know, sick of listening to me talk about sports. Cause she just was like, listen, like I'm an NFL fan. I don't care who's going to sign for this amount of money during the off season or why you think the NBA season is too long. Like I just don't care. So I started taking that stuff online. So it was, you know, one of those things that I just loved the opportunity to just discuss these things. I think sports is such an interesting forum, but there's also the opportunity now I've, since I've started doing this more and more, I have my own podcast that I do about ultimate Frisbee, which is a whole other thing entirely. But I think one of the really fun things on there is I've gotten a chance to talk kind of through the lens of sports, but about some really like serious real world issues. I've had a chance to talk to people who have contemplated suicide and have gone through depression and battled, uh, you know, bipolar disorder. And then I've also had a chance to talk to an athlete who had won a national championship while going through chemo, you know, chemo treatments uh, while fighting off uh, and battling melanoma. Uh, and I've had a chance to talk to people about race in sports and how that gets affected. Uh, and I've had a chance to talk to some, you know, it's just honestly the opportunities that they've found that they never thought would be possible, the places that they've gone through sports and it's all it, it all is tied back to this general idea of sports where we're talking about real world things uh which i think is why i always was so resistant to it because i always felt like oh it's like you're just going to talk about the x's and o's or you know whatever you want to call it but there's really so much more that you can do with it and some of the best sports stories out there are really just human interest stories that have a sports mm, tie exactly um, that's that's the stuff I think that I really fall in love with, and which is why I love. I think podcasting is a great opportunity. You can do those things. You can explore those stories. You can, you uh, can in do a way everything. that. Yeah, there's so much. There's so much for you to with it. So that, that long-winded answer was, uh, you know, essentially, I found that there's so much more that I could do with it than I ever thought possible. And you keep doing it, man. And I think it's it's really interesting. You know, you start out out of paper. Then you start writing, and we'll get to ultimate frisbee. I promise. I promise. Yeah, I, I, don't, some questions. I don't. <laughs> we'll, 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 I won't hold you to that either. <laughs> I'll get you there. I'll get you there. Um, but I mean, now it's it's really interesting because it's very difficult to just be a writer now, right? Like it's very difficult mm -hmm. to just be a podcaster. You essentially have to be like a complete content creator in yeah. some way, shape, or form. You have to be on the internet, on YouTube. You have to be doing live streams. You have to show your face, even if you have a face like mine that's made for radio, kind of thing. Like Me how too. have Thanks. You look good. Don't worry. Um, Appreciate it. Uh, so like how, how, how have you been able to evolve in your career and understanding that, okay, maybe this is what I'm best at, but now I have to start getting better at these other things. So that way I can eventually become just someone who, who does whatever, whenever, however they want me to do it. Yeah, that's definitely, I think, a unique challenge to this now and how the just the whole industry has changed over the last couple of years. Um, 
I actually was lucky enough during my senior year of college to take a class uh, with Rich Samini, who's the Jets beat writer wow, yeah. okay. for NFL Nation on, on ESPN, which is, I, and he's been somebody that I've read for a long time. I can, you know, I'm lucky to consider him some of a friend and mentor, and he's been fantastic. But I took a class with him, and it really was so interesting to just hear he did kind of similar things. He started out at Newsday and wrote for a lot of Long Island papers, and, uh, you know, eventually latched on to ESPN. And just since he's been there, which has been over 10 years now, he's been there for quite a while. It is one of those things that he's seen so much develop where now he's going on TV and he's doing TV hits. And now he's posting stuff on I mean, social media has completely changed. Everything oh, about how we do Twitter all of this. has completely changed sports. It's, it's unbelievable how much Twitter has become integral in sports news. I mean, you look at the number of just the video content that goes up there, the, the, the live streams, the highlight. I mean, if, if sports were not already highlight driven enough, I mean, Twitter amplified that by 150 times. It's incredible. Uh, but then you've also got people who literally have their livelihood depend on getting tweets out. And that's, I mean, the, the examples I'll go to are Adam Schefter and Adrian Wojnarowski. And I, obviously I'm biased because I work at ESPN, but those two guys, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like as soon as they, they tweet the news and that's where everything disseminates from. Mm-hmm. And it's really an interesting process there. So long story short, getting back to your real question here is that there's so much that you have to do. And so I, when I was in college, I actually really had set out and wanted to do broadcast journalism. That was something that I was really interested in. That was primarily why I chose to go to Syracuse. Uh, they have a great program there, the Newhouse School. A uh, lot of noted alumni that work at a lot of very big, large media companies. So, you know, a lot of things to aspire to. And, and they, I would give there's a lot of things that I hold against Syracuse. And there's some things that I think they really need to work on as a university. Um, for those who are familiar with what's going on up there right now, uh, they've had a lot of uh, things with, they, they just had a, a lot of uh, racial tension and the, the administration being very out of touch with the students. Uh, it's, it, I mean, honestly, almost prohibitively expensive to go there, which gets you a very specific set of students that are able to afford to go. Uh, there's a lot that I think Syracuse needs to improve upon and uh, I don't mean to completely just drag my alma mater right now but uh, you know I think the one thing that they do really well is the the communication school that's why I went there and it's why I would choose to go back if I ever had the choice it's because of the opportunities they have there they connect really well with the alumni network uh, they bring in uh, people who work in the field to become adjuncts or full-time professors and that's I mean that was a lot of the experiences I had there was just learning from people who had done it before and so, you know, kind of while I was going through and learning kind of throughout, you know, the, the program they, they set you on, you start out doing, you know, some radio stuff your sophomore year. Um, and then you start to build into doing more TV on camera stuff your junior and senior years to the point where my senior year, uh, my capstone class that I had to take was actually just essentially every Monday we went in and we produced um, an afternoon news show. And so you went out like you would any other journalist you went out into the city and you went you found your story you interviewed people you you know you set up whatever you had to do you you did your your live hit potentially or you you recorded your uh, your stand up which is what we call at the very end of the the a lot of the times at the very end of the news package you'll see the reporter who you know they might have kind of did something to introduce it they go off you see a lot of other things maybe some interviews and stuff like that but at the very end usually they tag it with uh, you know and that's what we're expecting to see you know going forward this week um, you know, with NCC, you know, for our example, we used NCC news, uh, you know, I'm Chris McGlynn tag off, do stuff like that, whatever you had to do. And so that was an awesome opportunity stuff that I, I mean, granted, looking back, I hated it. Like I just, that was a great learning experience. Uh-huh. I couldn't do it. I just knew that it was not for me. 
of just, they call it like a multimedia journalist, MM, MM, yeah, I'm stuttering now, MMJ. And it was one of those things, I was just like, I can't imagine doing this. And I've got, I've got classmates who do it. I've got a friend of mine who works in, in Idaho and does a great job. He's been at MMJ there. Another classmate of mine who works down in South Carolina now. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of you know, talented people who could do it. I just realized it was so not for me. But um, that was, you know, while I was kind of doing all of this, they also have a great on-campus radio station that a lot of the students run. It's um, WAER. It's actually an NPR station. Um, but that's where that. all, yeah, but that's actually where it's the home of all Syracuse men's sports. Uh, so they do uh, you know, the football, basketball, and lacrosse um, play-by-play radio broadcast there. They have pre- and post-game shows um, on there. They do a couple different things. And so I, I jumped into that when I first got there on the play-by-play side um, trying to, and it's, it's super competitive, very difficult to get through there. I mean, you're not, you're not getting on air until you were a junior or senior at Syracuse. It's just, there's no, there's no opportunity. And because of that, they have usually put out a very professional product. I mean, they've turned out, are you, are you familiar with Ian Eagle? I, I've heard of him once or twice. Yeah. Uh, so his son, the bird, his the son, bird, the bird in the yeah. beard. Yes. My apologies. Yeah. No, you're good. Uh, his, uh, his son, Noah uh, is a great example. He actually, I, he he went through and he was clearly obviously has the uh, benefit I guess of having a dad who's in the industry. So he not not to say that he didn't earn anything he got, but it's more that he was just exposed to it earlier. So I think he's gotten so much more practice at it. But he is so fluid as a junior in college. I mean, this kid was ready to make the jump and probably go on national radio broadcast. I remember uh, we were playing in a game I think in the ACC tournament. Syracuse was uh, against Miami. And he was down in, in Miami and they were doing the game and his dad happened to be calling the game on CBS while he was calling on the radio. But they That's cut. Pretty cool. It was really neat, but they cut actually over and they played WAER's broadcast on CBS for probably two minutes of the game. And it was it was just I mean, Ian Eagle was is is incredible in his own right, but Noah was you could just tell was just so ready immediately. And that was the product because you had to wait so long. So that now Noah immediately after graduating uh, went and joined and is the, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers play-by-play guy uh, for radio. So that was like his first job out of college is to do, join like a major NBA franchise in the second largest media market in the country uh, and become their play-by-play radio guy. Uh, so it was just, I mean, those types of things where that's, that's the type of talent that Syracuse mm-hmm. will turn out. Uh, and that's how prepared they get you. So I, I went through that, realized that I was maybe not quite ready for that. And eventually, uh, after kind of starting some of my own podcasting stuff on the side, worked my way into doing talk radio. Um, it was just a kind of happenstance thing. I actually ran the website there at WAER. So that's the thing. It's like I, I just kind of threw myself at whatever and opportunities. It works, like, man. I, you just kind of have to say yes to whatever comes your way. Um, you know, it was genuinely like I, I ran. I was the the, the director of web uh, like all of our web content for a year and a half there. Uh, and I happened to be talking to, I knew the guy who was the, the talk director and uh, I'll give uh, Cora Thompson uh, a ton of credit. Cause I was sitting there and uh, she looked at me and she goes, why don't you join the talk staff? And I was like, do you need people? And he was like, yeah, if you're op- 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 you know, open to it then sure. So I joined and I you know, did a lot of demo tapes throughout the fall of my senior year and, and slowly worked my way into uh, eventually getting on air. I, I did a couple of uh, post-game shows for lacrosse, which was a lot of fun. I, I got a chance to be like, a, you know, like an on-site person. Like I went to a game and they had me on for, I said, basketball 
um, you know, kind of like the reporter they sent uh-huh. to the game. And I came back and gave my like on air report of the game and talked to the host, you know, so stuff like that. Like it was just, you know, it was, and that's the thing. It's like, I just viewed it as fun. Like it was so funny. It was, exactly. like, it was like, Oh, like you're, Oh, you're wow. You're really busy. I'm like, yeah, but I want to do this stuff like that. That was the thing. It's like, you just want to keep doing it. So if you, if you really enjoy what you're doing, uh, who cares if you're, I'd rather be really busy yeah. with something that I want to do. And, and at that point it's not really busy. It's just, it's just, fun right like yeah it's, i mean you're busy doing it but you want to be you want to be exactly, doing that anyway. like, like you'd rather be busy doing that than anything else active um, actives maybe a better word because busy always has such yeah. a negative connotation okay to it, right? i give I'm, you that I'm i think that's busy. a, a like, good way to describe it, it comes off as negative you're active i'm just doing a lot of stuff and i love all of it right sure. like that's that's yeah. the most fun and and it sounds like again going to syracuse doing all that uh, thankfully your your high school um, you know, the teacher or whomever was like, well, no, you should probably stick to sports, man. You're pretty yeah, good at it. I owe, I owe Mr. Batista a lot on that shout one. Out all all these shout outs, man. I, make sure, hey, man, I gotta, I gotta remember where you're from. I, I, I started out it. as just some, some random, I mean, I'm still, I'm just some random kid, but I mean, uh, you know, the fact that I'm working at ESPN, is just mind boggling to me. That's the, every kid's dream. Every yep. like sports. That was my, that was dream. my dream. So yeah, let's yeah. talk about let's talk about you at ESPN. You're an associate editor. Um, not really sure. sure what that means, but yeah, I know it's, it's a pretty vague title for a but, reason. Because but the coolest part is, and I apologize for cutting you off, but no, I said okay. it before, and I want to make sure to say it again. When you get notifications to your phone, mo- not most of the time, some of the time, Chris is writing those notifications and sending them directly to you. So what's your list? You have a list of about thirty million people you can hit every once in a while. Yeah, that's that's our yeah our breaking news list is well over. I think it's like almost you know it's a approaching 35 million people. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So the team I'm on, that's the thing. So I'm an associate editor, but I'm on the we call it audience engagement, which is a little bit broad because some of the things we do are kind of broad. Like the responsibilities I have mostly are programming our internal sports pages. So the NFL, NBA, MLB, you know, all that stuff. Uh, we're, we're putting, placing content on there. We're making decisions about where, how high it should be on the page based on uh, the engagement we might be seeing from our analytics tools, stuff like that, and seeing, okay, this is brand new. Let's get this up there. Hey, you know what? This is actually doing, this has been a lot of chatter about this on social media. Maybe we push this up a little bit, stuff like that. We, we try and pay attention to those trends and make decisions based on that. But then on the other side of it, uh, we, we do it. So that's like kind of the two responsibilities, you the pages, and then um, we, we handle sending out the alerts. Um, and not every, um, not every single one of them, uh, a lot of them are automated. If you're signed up for, you know, like the start of game alerts and stuff like that, we're not individually sending those. But uh, when we've got a big game on our on ESPN or something like that, we're sending out, hey, tune in, watch this game. Uh, you know, example I can give. I've been on for, you know, when Rob Gronkowski retired, I was able. I sent that news out. Like I, I was the one that was hit and send on that and sending it to, you know, I probably went to. 35 for I don't know exactly know because we also have like our NF we have you know we have the different lists that we have pre-built it's based on what uh, people favor in the ESPN app um, it just comes down to you know if you decide you want to sign up for breaking news if you want to get NFL news you know in, in your case you're a Giants fan I'm obviously the Giants and Mets I know are big two big ones so you're obviously signed up for Giants and Mets news so anytime that we have those alerts come in we pick our Giants list we pick our Mets list and we'll write up our alert and, and we'll send that out. So that way giants and Mets fans can be informed on what's going on. Uh, you know, and, so, and sometimes it is just content we have too, that comes in. We'll send that out because it's like, Hey, we've got, you know, I wasn't in the other day, for example, Mel Kuyper's latest mock draft comes out. We send that out because that's a huge traffic driver for us. But also, I mean, everybody loves to read mock drafts. So everybody loves that. mock drafts. Oh, dude. It's I love nuts. Them. I read them all the time and none of yeah. them. I mean, what, like the best guys are get like four out of 30, right? Like oh, it's yeah. insane. I've been, 
I've been doing my own actually for like four years now. I've actually, I love the NFL draft. Uh, I, I actually launched as part of the, the blog that I run a podcast off on the NFL draft. And I've like devoted way more time to scouting and uh, mock drafting and coming up with big boards and really uh, take some, taking some time to figure out what it really means to scout a player. You know, I can look at a guy and go, Oh, he can throw the ball. Well, but you know, what else are you looking for? You're looking at the mechanics, you're looking at decision-making, you're looking at how he reads through progressions. There's so much that goes into it. I think it's such an interesting thing as it is. Like you do this every year. We do, you know, every, this year especially, I feel like, you know, it kind of feels like the top two picks are solidified. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. It's probably going to be Joe Barrow and, and, and then Chase Young. But then after that, I mean, it's literally anyone's guess. And then, the, the, you know, some of it is hard because you've got trades that come into effect. Mm-hmm. And so, and then, you know, that might bump one player down and it's all of a sudden, okay, this team who didn't think that player was going to be there jumps all over this. You know, it's so difficult to try and predict what 32 NFL teams are going to do in a row. Because in a row, it's, exactly. It's not even like sequential because things move around. Like there are guys, like there are teams that'll jump up or they value this. Everybody's got their own evaluation, so it's impossible. But I mean, that type of stuff, I, I love that. But anyway, bottom line, getting back to your question, because I know I can Well, ramble. first, I'll just have you come on in, like, I guess, March, April timeframe, and you can, you can talk about your mock draft. How's that sound? Sure. Okay, I, would, cool. I would love to do that. Killer, I, would, killer. I would be all over that. Sounds good. All right. Um, anyway, whatever you were just saying. Sorry about that. So No, no, you're fine. I, I, I basically trying to get back on track here because I'm rambling again. So it, I like it, the rambling. Know, it's fine. If I really fine. wanted to circle you up, I'd, I'd get you. Don't worry. Fair enough. It's that's good sign of a good podcast host right there. Uh, so it's it's one of those things where yeah we have kind of those split responsibilities where you've got pages and we've got the alerts and those are kind of two separate shifts. So you know I kind of go back and forth between them. I haven't been haven't been given the responsibility yet of running the front page of ESPN. Um, you know I've only been there for a little over a year. So uh, you know eventually that could be something that I'll, I'll work my way into as well, which is really cool. I mean you look at at any given moment we we have upwards of 80 90 thousand people looking at that page like, it's insane i mean it's just easily, like minute to minute that's how many people are on there it's easily one of the most visited pages i mean i know it's a lot yeah. of people's just homepage. like oh you bring up google chrome okay it, cool it was, here's it, it was they, exactly it yep. is it was and it still is mine <laughs> see it's like i mean how that's it it was what kids, as you said before, what kids dream wasn't to work at ESPN in some capacity, right? Yeah, and now, if you're now, a sport obsessed kid, why not? Why not, right? Like, I'll just get to talk about sports all day, right? Like that would be, that's everybody's dream. Yeah. That's my dream. That's your dream. You're living it. I just get to do this. I don't get paid for it yet, but one of these days. And um, I mean, man, it's just, it's so much fun. And and with with that in mind, like with the future of sports media, I don't know if you have any interesting takes or, or, or um you know, we want to, we want to Stephen A and, and skip Bayless this shit, but uh, I'm definitely kind of curious, like, especially with podcasting becoming so, so much bigger. I know that's something that you're very passionate about. And that's something that you're very, you know, you've been doing it for years at this point. Like how much, how much more do you think sports media changes with, with Instagram, Twitter? I mean, I know that gentleman over from Bleacher Report, ES, uh, ESPN poached him to come over to do the sports center stuff. Um, can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'm I'm totally spacing as well. He was the House of Highlights yes. guy. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah. That's, I can't. Um, Raja. Did he, yeah, that sounds right to me. It but I, I'll right. be honest. I, I would have like, to look yeah, it up I don't, to I don't be remember. sure. But yeah. So what do you, how do you feel like the 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 future? You've seen so much happen, as you said. Rich Tamini has seen so much happen in ten years. What the hell do you think the next yeah. ten years looks like? That's so hard to predict because technology changes so quickly, and that's the thing that you never really know. But I give a lot. Of, I mean, uh, I'll. 
I obviously can see the inside of what ESPN does a lot and I can speak to that a lot more, but I mean, Bleacher Report does, and this is the one thing I'm going to give them a little bit of credit here, which is I have a friend of mine who works there. So enjoy this, Eric, because you're not getting any more praise from me. Shout out, but, yeah, uh, he's a, yeah, he works at the, the Bleacher, he works at Bleacher Report. We like to go, the two of us trade barbs every once in a while, but which company is better, which let's be honest, we know it's ESPN. But, uh, yeah, it's quite obvious. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, no, I, the Bleacher Report does a fantastic job. They capitalize so well on everything to do with social media. I mean, they, and, and the thing is, it's different. And the thing is, like, sometimes they, they, they do rush into things sometimes to the point where they have to go back and make, like, make some mistakes. But the fact that they are more often than not, they are the first ones there on so much of this stuff. Uh, and they do so much of what they do is highlight driven. And I think we've just seen it's like, unfortunately, in some aspects of this, it's like, our attention spans are so short now. There's there's only so much time that we can really be held. I even find it with myself. There are some great long form journalism stories that I love to sit down and read. But you know, how much time do you really have to sit down and do that? Like I'm on a on a day off, sure. But if I'm you know getting ready to go into the office or something like that, like I got what maybe a minute and a half to start and sit down if I want to read this thing. So it's like I got to be able to consume that real quick, or I only consume half the story. So. That's the thing is I just think we'll, we'll continue to see more and more of this bite-sized stuff. Um, you know, this stuff that just is like a way to catch up or a way to see what you missed or a way to like, just uh, hear. What, what Mina Kimes is doing with the daily, right? That yeah. Kind of stuff. So she like does, it's, a, it's a daily thing. It's, I think they're only like 15, 20 minutes long. They give you all yeah. the information you need and you're on your way. Now look at that. You plug in ESPN content. Hey, you're, man. You're, doing, you're doing my job for me. You're welcome. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, no, she does a fantastic job. Mina Kimes is, is great and she – I really love the daily podcast. Um, that's something, yeah, it's again, it depends. It could be anywhere from like 15 to 25 minutes, but they do something of a deeper dive on kind of like a specific topic. It, it's almost like a, it's not quite really a mini 30 for 30, which I, I love those things. I could sit down and watch 30 for 30 for like a day straight. Um, the, the, I love those things. I also love those are great. They do a podcast as well. And they, they do, sometimes they do some individualized stories on there, but sometimes they just literally sit down with the director or producer from one of the TV versions, one of like, you know, the long form video versions they do of these documentaries. And they talk to them about the process and some of the interesting things they learned that couldn't fit in the film or, or you know, stuff like that, which just, I don't know. I love that kind of stuff. But with so much of this now, it's like, it's so it's gotta be quick. Like you gotta be able to consume it quick. So for this, it's like, Hey, we're going to do a deeper dive on a topic, but we're going to do it in 15 minutes. We're going to do it in 20 minutes. So you can listen to it on your commute to work. And that's the thing is like trying to find those times that you can consume this stuff. And that's one of the reasons I love podcasting is I feel like you can listen to it, whatever, like you exactly. could be, you know, depending on what you do, you could be at work and just listen to a podcast. You could be driving to work and you could be listening to a podcast. You can be walking the dog. And you can be listening to a podcast. I mean, there's so many different things like that. Like, it's it's so different like you can't watch a video while you're driving exactly you can't yep. watch you can't like if you hopefully work not in, yeah you should not be doing that um if you're working in like, if you work in construction you can't be there watching a video like, like you can't do that if you're walking your dog you could be but you're probably gonna walk into something or someone yeah. so yeah. just put in a podcast and listen to that so that's the thing is i feel like there is it's almost like this now like radio died and now we're finding a new ter- like not it's not dead but it's not as popular as it obviously once yeah was. of course, of course. Um, and you were close to i mean that's just been the advent of television and, and digital media but at the same time i think this, this it's so funny like I've, I've been doing this only for maybe like two or three years now but i feel like 
I've even seen explosive growth in podcasting and stuff like that. Just even in the couple of years that I've really been paying attention to it, mm-hmm. there is it's it, there's like a lot of untapped potential here. I think I really do think there's a lot with audio-driven storytelling that will be part of the future, especially as you know more and more we see people cut the cord, move away from television. You, you're listening to stuff or watching stuff on your tablets or on your phone more and more. So that's the thing is like, this is the way to get it there. It's so easily accessible. Um, You know, in 99% of situations, it's free. Um, You know, there's not really a whole lot of paywall to it. And obviously I think people are still just scratching the surface on how to monetize it. I think that's a big thing that we're going to see change. And that's, this is getting obviously the very nitty gritty of the industry, but that still is in the very early stages is the advertising monetization and all that. I mean, where where so the great question I've had this posed to me too is where do you hear the majority of ads for podcasts, like pre um, promotions or whatever, like what shows or what? Where do you, where like where do you hear about like it's like oh it's like where do you if you're listening like where do you hear like oh an ad oh for a in, podcast? in those first two minutes which I skip every single time exactly you hear but the thing is you hear it on other podcasts yeah right? oh okay like, yeah, you yeah, hear yeah. them yep. all the time on there mm-hmm. which is such the bizarre thing like it's one of those like things it's like really like you're gonna like you don't see, like, you know, it's not like you have, you know, ESPN's not running commercials for Fox and, and mm-hmm. Fox is not running commercials for ABC mm-hmm. and ABC is not running commercials for NBC. But I mean, that's just the nature of this. Like, I feel like it's still, people are trying to figure out how to promote these shows in mm-hmm. this unique way. Um, and, and social media plays a big part in that now. I think the, the ability to promote content or anything on social media obviously allows uh, you know, so many more people access to promoting things that they didn't have previously. Um, and it's still, to the mo- for the most part, relatively affordable at this point. I mean, it's the most affordable form of, of advertising for any of this type of stuff. I mean, oh, it's super TV, cheap, dude. TV is exorbitantly expensive. Radio ads aren't as expensive as they used to be, but they're still, you know, the, pretty the demos, expensive. Yeah. And, and the demos and the specificity is not there, right? Like if you're, yeah. if you're, it's one thing on ESPN, radio okay so you know essentially kind of you, you what the demographic yeah. is but if you're listening to zach lowe's podcast you know you're getting a more specific demographic because it's you know it's a basketball fan now right like you could start mm-hmm. to break it down more and more and i think you know the specificity of some of this stuff is is insane yeah and let's be honest if you're listening to the zach lowe podcast you're probably a diehard basketball fan so it's like no. you can really drive some of that niche pod and really no i don't hate i don't really like basketball nba that much but i yeah. love zach lowe's podcast just because of he's his really com- good <laughs> the conversational nature he's very yeah. educational like i love listening to him also basketball honestly the nba is more about the storylines of the games as yeah, we know absolutely we know who's going to the playoffs okay who cares oh, the six seven and eight seed might be up for grabs oh no anything this that. year is more open than i will give the nba credit this year is more open than i can remember it being in a very long time We've oh of had, course and yeah. if we had that super team era that started with the miami heat and then snowballed into the eventually the golden state warriors mm-hmm. but i mean i, I I'm excited for the really? playoffs. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I, oh, yeah. I'm really excited for the playoffs, but I don't care right now about. But, but I'll say I'm actually more around. excited for. I'm more excited for the first two rounds of the playoffs than I can remember being in a long time. Usually, I was okay. really into the conference finals, and obviously, the finals are always good. Um, I remember. I mean, that was really one of the things that kind of made me really fall in love with the NBA, especially the playoffs. Was I remember watching the Heat versus the. Um, 
not Pistons, Heat versus Pacers. Um, Pacers. Yes, back in the like early two thousands when LeBron and and Bosh and Wade all teamed mm-hmm. up. But then you have, I mean, the Pacers were really good. Yeah, and Paul George was there at that Roy point. Roy you know, fairly Watch young. Out. Yeah, yeah, it was. They were. It was some really just fun matchups. I mean, they were constantly going at it. It was physical. Lance Stevenson, that was the, the yeah, Lance yeah, Stevenson. Yeah, yeah. That was him blowing at LeBron when he, you know, like blowing on him when he was taking a free throw. I mean, it was just like that type of nonsense that came out of those types of series. But it was always super competitive. And even though it was like Miami was the super team, you know, and you kind of expected them to win, those matchups were fantastic. And they were so much fun to watch. Um, but now I think this year, you know, I'll be excited to watch like the four or five matchup in the early round. I'll be excited to watch even like three, six or the two. I mean, especially in the Western conference, like the two, seven matchup, like you might get like, I don't know exactly know what the standings are at this moment. I know the Clippers and Lakers are very close to the top, but I mean, I know the the Rockets could end up being like a five seed. So what all of a sudden during this, that the semifinals, like we're going to see the Lakers play the Rockets. Mm-hmm. It's a really good series for a sem- like a conference semifinals. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's oh, the thing is like, watch. I feel like, yeah, I'm excited for this year, especially like in previous years, I felt like, you know, it was kind of like a, you know, the top couple of teams were really just walking through till they got to the, the conference finals and eventually the finals. But I feel like this year is a little different. We've got a, a very different approach to it all. We'll see. We'll see. But um, I just want to see the Lakers Clippers, to be totally honest with you. That's well, what I'm yeah. most excited for. Um, <laughs> give me that Western Conference finals. That's what I want. And then whoever plays the Bucks, That's cool. I think that those would be the two best series that we could have so we'll see but True, uh, yeah. go, going back to the uh the what we were actually talking about with podcasts and everything you do that a lot no it's cool it's cool me. i like that that's a real conversation <laughs> though real conversations take weird turns but i, I kind of want to go back to this because it's um you know relevant to what we're talking about and what we're doing but with um with the opportunities that come with podcasting i do think i agree with you that that even though there are some people making boatloads of money, I think networks are really going to start taking over networks such as like iHeartRadio, NPR are already doing that. ESPN obviously has all theirs. Barstool is doing their thing. So I think with each of these, we'll grow more specificity. And and just as with TV, like in the beginning when TV, like used to draw a 38 for like friends on a Thursday night, now you're happy with a three. Right. And mm-hmm. like, so I think the same thing is going to happen. Change a lot. Exactly. I think the same thing is going to happen to podcasts over time is, you know, there's the, there's Joe Rogan is going to be Joe Rogan. People love who he is, what he does and who he talks to. Um, and then you have, you know, my girlfriend listens to a couple that are all about like murder and stuff. And I don't understand it. I don't listen to them. I think they're terrible, <laughs> but that's fine. Whatever teaches own. And, you know, so there's a couple that really came out, but now it's getting super specific where you have one about ultimate frisbee. I have one where I talk about talk talk to Olympic athletes. Like neither of us, let's be honest, are going to get a million listens an episode. But at the same time, I see two, three hundred people listen to an episode. That's kind of cool. All over yeah. the world, people are interested in these Olympic athlete stories. Same thing for you. People are interested in these stories of these ultimate frisbee players because that's what they do. That's what they love. And I think just with so many coming out, I mean, there's like a million active right now, which sounds like a huge number, but that's really not that big at all considering mm. there's like almost 400 million people in the United States and most of them only come out once a week. Like there's really not that many, like there's so many yeah. things that you can get interested in into. So, I mean, so let, let's talk about, I told you I was going to get here, but let's talk all about right. ultimate Frisbee a little bit. You love it. You, you, I do. Working I media do, I really in it. Do. This is, this is a labor of love. I don't know how much money you make. I got to assume <laughs> it's not too many at all. Uh, not too I many dollars probably... at all, but. I have probably sunk way more money into Ultimate Frisbee than I, was, I would I even care to admit. Yeah, I'm, I'm and that's sure. that's across the board, not even just media. I've been playing for 10 years. Like, it's been – I love this thing, man. Exactly. And it's just 
It's almost so, yeah, addictive tell, when you talk about sure. So for those, for those who are it, yeah. completely unfamiliar with this whatsoever, uh, I it's almost like a bit of a cross between football and basketball in some aspects where you you play on uh, not far off from a football field. It's a hundred and ten yards long with twenty yard end zones, and then you've got um, forty yards wide. So it's not, not exactly, obviously it's a little more narrow and a little bit shorter than a football field with larger end zones, but it's played with a Frisbee uh, or really a disc is what we call it. Frisbee is actually just the brand. Um, fun fact. No way. Yeah. 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 Kleenex, it's actually, tissues, we got cotton swabs yeah. and, and Q-tips and now we got Frisbee and disc. Look at that. Yeah. There's so it's net. just a, yeah, it's a, it's a flying disc technically, which is why the, the, I think the, it's the World Flying Disc Federation is like the like kind of like the global governing body of all of this. So, uh, but I, I mean, I, it's it's non-contact for the most part. Uh, obviously, there's a little bit of bumping and stuff like that. I, I compare it a little bit to like what you see sometimes in basketball, where obviously like there's going to be some physicality. You're going to put your body into somebody else, prevent them from running one way or another. But obviously, you're not going and knocking somebody off their feet. That's going to be a foul that type of thing. It's not like football where you're tackling anybody. Uh, but you know, it runs, it is the, the style of play and the gameplay is very different. I feel like than a lot of other things, it almost runs like a half court basketball offense where it's like you get somebody, once you have the disc in your hands, you establish a pivot foot and that's it. You don't get any steps like you would learn in gym class. I'm going to spoil everyone's gym class experience here. You don't get three steps like you do uh, in gym class. So you, you establish a pivot foot there. And um, usually you have a defender who's forcing you to throw one way or another. Two primary throws you have are your forehand, like in tennis, where you see the, the forward part of your hand, and then you have your backhand. So, uh, you know, that kind of helps dictate how the offenses run a little bit. You'll see most offenses will have probably four or five players push downfield, what we would call cutters, their receivers essentially looking to try and generate space for themselves, get open to you know receive a pass. And then you've got usually two or three players who kind of hang out more in the backfield closer to where the disc is. And we would consider those, we call them handlers. They're essentially our, our main throwers there. So, uh, and you get players that cross over between the two of them. It's not like you have a set role usually. Um, it's so different than I think a lot of other sports where and that's because I think it's just so still so, so much in its like infancy as a sport. You don't have players who are exclusively handlers. Like you, you, nobody can be you know exclusively one because you might end up where you get find yourself downfield and now you need to make a cut to get open as a receiver. So it just yeah, I I love the sport though. The the thing that brings me back to it all the time. And this is something that I actually talk about in my own show because I'm always so interested to hear why people love to come back because it is such a niche thing and there is so much time and money that people have to invest in it because it's so, you know, it's kind of just this grassroots thing still. Um, even though it's been around for the last 50 years, it's still, you know, kind of very much on the periphery of what everybody understands. So, um, but I love the community. I mean, it's, it's, it's like nothing I've ever experienced in sports. And I, I mean, I've had some great teammates in other sports between, you know, I played a year in high school uh, for football. I played soccer until I was in high school I was not a very good basketball player, so I quit that pretty early. But, um, you know, I played baseball until I was in middle school as well. But, like, I have never encountered a better sports community than Ultimate. It is just – it's something else. And the reason for that, and this is probably an integral part of the sport that I probably should have explained when I was talking about it, we don't have officials. We don't have referees. Everything that's done in this is, is done through essentially an honor code. We call it spirit of the game. Um, and I think it really leads to – 
and I, there are people obviously that abuse that. And that's, that's the biggest concern that everyone always has when you talk about that sport, but it's actually a lot less common than you would expect. Uh, you certainly get players who are jerks about calls or disagree. And sometimes that does become a bit of an issue where the game will grind to a halt because there's a two minute long discussion about whether or not a player was actually fouled while trying to make a catch. So stuff like that does happen. It's not perfect, but I mean, it's a, it completely changes. I feel like there's a lot of mutual respect you have to have for your opponent in this. Whereas, you know, in other sports, you're just looking to beat the guy and you, you, you know, you kind of play with when you play to whatever you can get away with, even if it's technically just outside the line, like the lines of the rules. Whereas like, this is kind of all we have is the rules that we have set and we, we are the ones that have to enforce them. So it is just, there's a, I, like the integrity is great from that regard. I think um, I personally really like that. Um, even now, like there's, there's semi-professional leagues that are popping up um, for both men's and women's, um, which is great. The AUDL and the PUL um, American ultimate disc league and premier ultimate league. Highly recommend if you are interested at all, please check them out. They're both fantastic in terms of putting products out there, but um, it's one of those things that they, they have integrity rules in mm-hmm. both sports where you can actually go and override an official's decision. Like if a referee calls a foul and you're like, no, that was a clean play. Like I, I, you know, whatever. Or if there's no foul called and the player's like, no, I definitely hacked him. Like that should definitely come back. Like that, that exists, which I think is really unique and, and a really cool thing. Uh, and something that I think just speaks volumes about what the community is all about as a whole. You also just meet some really fun and unique people. Uh, it's a very, very vibrant community. You, you meet people all types in this sport. It's, it's really, which is, I'm sure is true, but I feel like it's even maybe exemplified more with this because it is such like an underground type thing in a lot of ways. I was going to say, I, uh, I think anybody that's been to like a major college campus uh, kind of knows what you're talking about when it comes to <laughs> the, the vibrancy of the, uh, of the crowd. It's definitely something, you know, I think most people at some point saw it or played it. I hope in college, it is a blast, not something that I do on a regular basis. I don't know too many yeah. friends. I'm also really bad at throwing a frisbee, so that doesn't help. But it um, took me a very long yeah. time to learn how to throw. But like three plus years before I could like even be like proficient. Love it, man. And and clearly you can hear it through your voice how excited you get about just talking about it. Um, that makes me understand why you sink so much of your time sink that's a poor way of saying it um no but it's true enjoy i, mean, I do there's <laughs> i mean you i get my your, own personal again, reward out of it exactly. but like, i'm not you know i, I did sinking i will time, say so sinking time sounds like a negative though remember what we were yeah. talking about before busy active um yeah. enjoy so much of your time that you spend you know just creating the media around this sport where there's not so much yet but hey man it's it's something you love it's something you want to do and and it gives you extra reps gives you at bats right but it also gives you the opportunity to share the stories that you love like you were talking about before and share the Mm -hmm. sport that you love to to more and more people hopefully yeah well i think the really neat thing and i'll I'll kind of give this as a recommendation if there's anybody who happens to be listening to this that is interested in starting a podcast find your niche find something that is kind of specific because you could do a general fashion podcast or you could do a general politics podcast but the truth is is like if you're somebody who's doing this like we are in our basement or in our closet or whatever we can find space to do it that's soundproof enough you're probably not going to have a huge following you don't have a budget to really do any of this so the way you find a way to build an audience is 
find your niche, find your way to find like people that are interested in what this is, that maybe there isn't something that already exists there. Um, and there are other ultimate podcasts out there. There are other, I obviously went with the most generic name I could possibly go with this. So I literally named my show, the ultimate podcast. Um, so clearly the creative juices I'm still working on. Love it. Um, love it. You're good. You yeah. get there. But the thing is, is like, yeah, that's the thing is like, I kind of knew, you know, I felt like I was enough of an authority on it, even though I still will pretend to be the foremost person on the sport at all. I felt like I, I played it long enough and knew enough about it, but I've also learned a tremendous amount by doing this. Um, and it's fun because that's the thing is you might find yourself to in, you know, in a situation to take on opportunities you never thought possible. Um, you know, I've, I've interviewed players who are legitimately at the top of this sport, players who have won gold medals playing for team USA doing this. Um, and some of them I consider friends now because of the fact that I've had a chance to talk to them. And that's the thing is like, I would never have anything close to that type of access if I decided that I wanted to sit out and do a, a podcast just about the NFL. I'm not calling up Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and you know Bill Belichick to sit down and have a conversation with my podcast. But I can reach out to a friend of mine and say, "Hey, I know that you've played with this guy previously," or "Hey, I know that you uh, you know happened to work with this woman previously who helps organize things out in California. Like, can you possibly you know hook me up with some contact info?" Uh, so that's the thing is like I've. I feel like the accessibility is there and you can kind of get in on like the ground floor of ultimate media because it is still, I mean, ultimate as a sport is so much in its infancy. And if it's like, you know, you want to say it's 50 years old, which is fairly young and obviously it's still has a lot of room for growth. But uh, if you want to talk about it from that perspective, if that's in its infancy, I don't even know what you want to consider ultimate media then because ultimate media really didn't get started until really within the last like, past decade or so. Uh, and it's, there's been, some other things that have kind of come and gone and there's a few that have really stuck around and to be kind of become cornerstones of like ultimate media. But there, it's so funny. Like you look at it, there really is just like one big company in ulti world. And other than that, like you look everywhere, every other sport has multiple, multiple companies, multiple outlets covering them. There are a few, but there's no one anywhere even remotely close to the size of ulti world. Uh, and that's the, the truth is, is like most people who work in ultimate media, myself included, even though if I do some of my own stuff on the side, I still work with ulti world when I look at, have the chance to, and that's the thing. It's like that. It, there is just so much of that that still has not developed yet. Like there's not other companies out there who are hiring away talent. That's just not an option yet. Like it's not, there's the, it really comes to end that there's not money in it enough yet to do that. Um, you know, and I've made, I've made a little bit of money doing stuff for this. You know, they, they pay me a very little bit to be, uh, you know, contributor on the podcasting side of things. I write for them throughout the course of the like the men's semi pro season as well. So stuff like that, where you know, I'm, I, but I'm making like you know maybe fifty dollars a month. Obviously, nothing you can sustain yourself on. But you know, it's I mean, it's great because it feels like you know I'm getting. Uh, the thing is, I would do this anyway, and now I'm getting paid to do something I love. Exactly right. That's that's the point. I was where make. you are even as well. Even if you got paid fifty bucks, I mean, that's my half of the electric bill most of the time. That's a that's yeah. a. A, a, a solid dinner out you know maybe not a nice dinner but like hey we're, we're getting an appetizer tonight babe this is this is yeah. a good one um you're getting so, I mean, an appetizer hey, and we're going to buffalo wild wings let's okay get it all right <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean it's just one of those things where i mean if you could get paid to do something you love i mean you you're you were gonna do it anyway right so why yeah. not if someone's gonna give you money to do it that's awesome so take it it also again in your in your situation i mean knowing and understanding where you're trying to go and what you're trying to do which we'll get to in a second more at bats, the better, man. The more opportunities yeah. you have to step in front of a microphone and the more opportunities somebody has to hear you, the more opportunities you have to get better, 
practice mm-hmm. your craft, master it. And, uh, you know, just by the time you come out, you'll be that overnight success that has been working in ultimate Frisbee media for the last 10 years. And everyone's gonna be like, well, where did this guy come from? And I yeah. can say, I remember one. Well, I hope so. I hope that they will eventually come. And the thing is, is like, that's, you're not going to get a job somewhere. Like you're not going to get hired working in, you know, kind of the larger sports media world. If you don't have experience, like you're not, exactly. you're not, you're not all of a sudden going to just come in and be like, Oh, like, but I like podcasts or I listen to podcasts. Like you have to do it to really understand it. And because I don't know, like the, you know, it's unlike TV or radio where you have a lot of like local stations mm-hmm. that, that, that infrastructure is very different. So you kind of have to start on your own and it's easier than ever. I mean, we both, I know use anchor to mm-hmm. host our shows. Yep. Um, and I just stumbled upon this more recently and it's great because now it cuts the cost out for me entirely. Like, I mean, obviously I have to invest time into it, but it doesn't cost me anything for audio storage or putting the up there. So it's literally like the, the, the barriers for access are continuing to fall away. And if you want to do something really high end, you probably need to, you know, if you really want to do some like high end yeah, know, uh, audio yeah. editing and stuff like that, uh, you're going to want to have to, you have to pay for it obviously. But if you're looking to literally just get your foot in the door and try and start something out and maybe test it, and even if you don't share it right away, if you want to just get some reps, like, just do it. And that's the only way you're going to get better at it. Um, and that's the, you know, the best way I can describe it. I mean, I, <laughs> I kept pushing for it, but I had never really done it until all of a sudden I, I I've actually done play by play for ultimate Frisbee, which nice. I would like to think I'm actually decent at now. Um, now that I've got probably like a couple dozen games under my belt over the last couple of years, but it literally just became, uh, you know, I had tried doing some stuff in, in college for, you know, like, you know, just re- kind of behind the scenes, just recording, like mm-hmm. old, taking an old game, watching it and recording myself and listening back to it. Uh, really, really bad. But, uh, you There's know, that's how you learn. The first couple of yeah. times, dude, the first few podcasts I did were awful. Oh yeah, my God. I've got a lot as well. I've also Me done too. like 200 <laughs> at this. I've done like 200 at this point. So it kind of yeah. makes sense that you're going to get better over time. But I mean, that's the way you got to do it, especially it's really funny. Like, um, you know, there's always that joke with college kids and it's just like, oh, you're, you know, the, the, the entry level jobs looking for like three years of experience. And it's funny in like normal corporations, but it's real life if you want to work in sports, because there's so many people that want to work in sports, you need to do something to set yourself apart, right? Like yep. you want to work at ESPN as a writer you better have been writing for the last five, 10 years at that point. You better have been writing in high school and college and probably a little bit out of college. You want to do, be on TV. Well, YouTube's a thing. You can make a YouTube channel relatively yeah. easily at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, a camera will cost you a couple bucks. And after that, I mean, that's, that's the barrier to entry. So you want to so, be on TV. You, that's what you have to do. Great example of this. I have a friend of mine, uh, Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD, who is now a pretty well-known like tech reviewer on YouTube. He started over a decade ago now, literally just making videos, reviewing tech, and he just did it for fun. And, and now that is his full-time job is he runs a YouTube channel and he has a brand that he does. It's like, you know, kind of like a multi-million dollar brand. I believe I last, I had a friend of mine at work actually look it up recently and they said his net worth is over, you know, it's like over $2 million or something like that. This is literally a guy. Yeah. I mean, it's great for him. Uh, and he's had some great opportunities, sat down and talked to Bill Gates and Elon Musk and, uh, you know, done some really, really interesting things in the world of technology. Um, he's appeared in commercials with Will Smith. Like it's pretty legit. Like he was in a Samsung galaxy commercial just as himself because he was notable enough that he was like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, talking about some of the things like the features in the phone. It's like, it's like he made a name for himself 
but it's all self-started. Like he didn't, you know, he obviously had help along the way. He was able to network and do different things. And he is incredibly bright and talented. But the truth is like, he didn't need to graduate from college to do any of that at, by that point. I mean, the thing is, is like there, it's easier than ever to get involved with this type of stuff. It doesn't cost you anything to sit down uh, and just, even if you don't have a laptop to just write on a piece of paper, if you have a laptop, open up word or google docs whatever the heck you use and just sit down and write or if you want to you know record yourself take your cell phone find your recording app and record it it doesn't need to be really high quality stuff that you're doing quite yet but you're not going to get it's like anything you have to do reps of it to get better uh i know hitting this home the point home over and over again here but it's true i mean i i'm lucky with where i am no question about it i've had some some people that have really uh, made it possible for me to get to where I am today. You know, just in the industry, people help me networking and all that type of stuff. But I mean, a lot of where I am is, is solely because like, yeah, I took the time I sat down and I did this. Like I, I wanted to, you know, write. So I wrote, I wanted to make a podcast. So I did like, it was just things that was like, you know what? Like I want to do this. I, I think I could see myself doing this one day. So I'm going to do it. Uh, and the thing is, if you didn't go to college for it, but it's something that interests you, then you can still do it. Like uh, great example, James, I'll go back to him. The guy you had on the, yes. the show a couple weeks ago did not go. I think he's a history major. Is that correct? I think he's a, a history like major yeah. from Ohio state. Uh, he worked in a political office in Ohio, uh, for a while and, and now is writing about for prospects 365, uh, online about baseball, like prospects coming up, MLB prospects. Doesn't get Obviously, he, he didn't study anything that prepared him for that. He was just a fan of it and decided, you know what, I'm going to you know dip my toe in the water and see where it goes. And he's still very much in the early stages of it, but now he's writing for legitimate online publications. Yeah, he's, a few of them. I can't imagine he's making a whole lot, but you know, like the thing is like you don't – if you're setting out to do this just to make money, then you're probably in the wrong line of work. Mm-hmm. And uh, the truth is, is like if you're passionate about it and you want to get better, is just start doing it. Exactly. And uh, there's literally nothing else I'd rather do than hang out with people like you and get to ask you questions. And, you know, hopefully one day I get paid to do it. But if it takes 10 years, then all right, I'll see you in 10 years. Uh, hey, after man. at that point, hopefully I've done 2000, if not even say, more. You're going to so, be, you're gonna you know, be we'll very be prepared in 10 years because you're doing, I mean. you're shooting these things out like, hey, like man, clockwork. Minimum of 200 this year. So I all think right. we're, up to, we're up to about 40 right now. So we're well we're, on our way. Yeah, I was going to say, you were definitely on pace then. Oh, we're very much on pace. I'm I, Obviously, I would like to hit 100 before June. That way I know I'm very, very much on pace. Yeah. And then um, it's also fun for the networking aspect. I've gotten to meet people like you. Sure. I've spoken with James a few times, but this was just another opportunity to get to know him even better. Um, yeah. So now we talk semi-regularly and it's just one of those things where I just am reaching out to people and and genuinely want to know and understand who you are and what you do because I think everybody's got a story all you have to do is ask a couple questions and you know we can have a pretty interesting conversation about women's college basketball or ultimate frisbee some things that I did not think I'd be talking about I knew I was going to talk about ultimate frisbee but I didn't think I'd be talking too much about women's college basketball and and that's cool that's fun man it's it's great I I can't plug it enough I know there are so many people who are so against it for whatever reason or another it is so good like it's just a product that's out there right now that i think just does not get a much as as much appreciation as it deserves it's it's so 
I think there are aspects of it where I think the women's college basketball game is much more polished than the men's college basketball game. Now, obviously, you can argue with athleticism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Athleticism, yeah, that's obvious. But but here's the thing is even that gap is closing because there's a a freshman at Stanford this year who can throw it down. She can dunk. Like, this gap is closing. Like, there are players now who are reaching that point. Like, you're going to start to see players who can dunk in women's college basketball in the next couple of years. But the interesting thing, too, is – it's so different than the men's side of things because you have to be 21 years old to leave college basketball on the women's side to join the WNBA. So you get three years minimum of development in there. So you see teams that it's like you might have the top freshman in the country who's like a role player off the bench. And so the thing is, like by the time that player is a junior and is like one of the best players in the country, she's really damn good. Like it's unbelievably good for what we would expect from like a college basketball player, the best college basketball players in the country. I mean, you look at last year, the Zion Williamson is, is a freak of nature. He's absolutely incredible. Like you look at like some of his other teammates who like in, in RJ Barrett and um, Cam Reddish. Reddish. Yeah. So the, th- the thing is with those two guys is, is Barrett's actually been pretty good, but like, you know, uh, Reddish is, you know, he's like nowhere to be found in that Hawks. Rock. He's not doing much. Like right, it's the he's Hawks just, too. You should if you take yeah. back the Hawks, they're not very good. Um, yeah, so they're getting they're of, getting better. Um, but still, you know? I mean, come on. And the thing is, is, like, and and then that's you know maybe not the best. Example. I know that there was development that needed to happen in Reddish's game and stuff like that. Like he was not viewed as like a pro ready prospect. But it's like you see, you know, and, and like the thing is, is like as good as these players are. Like the example I'll give, like Megan Gustafson was the national player of the year, won like the equivalent of the the Wooden Award in the women's game last year from Iowa. She got drafted in like the third round out of three in the WNBA draft and ended up actually getting cut midway through the season, eventually was re-signed. But like, like that's the thing is like you have some of the best women's college basketball players out there who legitimately cannot make WNBA rosters. And that's because obviously the player pool is smaller. There's not as many teams. But I mean, that's, that's the thing is like you are genuinely getting the best of the best. Like you don't have these guys who are just like hanging on to the end of rosters or like, yeah, they might've been average college players. Like they were good, but they were like, you know, not great NBA players. Like, like you're seeing some of the best female athletes in the world playing this sport and essentially women's soccer. Cause yep. there is no football. You're not getting that draw. There isn't the same kind of draw for softball that you get mm-hmm. with the men's side with baseball. It's like, if you want to watch like great sports, go watch women's soccer and go watch women's basketball. Cause those two sports, it's like, that's where the best women in the world and really, I mean the country and then the world is at large are playing athletically. I mean, that, that's what it is. So it's the women's soccer team. I mean, from last, uh, this past summer was incredible. I mean, what they did and I mean, just more ways than one. It was everybody, yeah. everybody like who wasn't talking about it. I mean, obviously yeah. there's the political aspect of it too, which kind of heightened it, but the fact sure. that they were just rolling through competition, winning and beating the best teams around the country and around the world, uh, like yeah, England, beating France, beating all these teams and, and just kind of taking it to them. I mean, that was awesome to watch. Yeah, and the thing is, is like if you think about, and maybe the expectation level plays a role in this, but if the men's team, like if the U.S. men's national team won the World Cup, I mean, it would be like the the country would have like a party for like weeks. Hell yeah, that'd be awesome. And not to say that there wasn't, obviously, there was a huge ticker tape parade, tons of celebration by the women's team, but it's like, you know, that that it's like, do do people not realize how difficult it is to be as dominant as they are? Like this is this is unprecedented level. Like we were talking about UConn women's basketball earlier. It's like that that's the same. Like they are the epitome of excellence in sports. Like the like uh, unprecedented levels that we have never seen. I mean, the the women's national team is just 
they were essentially untouchable at times. I mean, their closest game they played with France was, was a really exciting one. When they won the World Cup final 2 nothing, and it was kind of like, okay, yeah, we, we knew that was going to happen. Yep, yeah. Like, you know, you don't see that in – even on the men's side. Like, even, like, you know, when you get years where Germany is really good or, I mean, Brazil is really good. And, and sometimes you get those those lopsided results where, like, the 7 nothing game. Of course, yeah, yeah, back yeah. a while now. Those but, are funny. Um, those were hilarious. But, uh, you know, you get stuff like that. But it's like – it's not assumed. You can't go into that. Like, you could you could have gone – like I, I wish I could go back now. I don't know off the top of my head and look at like what the the odds were for the U.S. Women's National Team to win the World Cup, mm-hmm. and then compare that to what the like the because I'm sure they led to what then the top men's team what the odds were. It was like I, you're looking for pro- prohibitive favorite. Yeah, that's you found them. Yeah, exactly. So it's just yeah. it's just interesting to me. And maybe maybe you know it's the the development of women's sports around the world. Obviously, has come a long way. It still has a long way to go. Um, the thing is, is, like the best thing that you can do if you're interested in promoting it is just talk about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just bring it to people's like awareness. Like you, you raise the raise the profile of it by talking about. I mean, the fact that you were talking about Elena Della Don earlier. I mean, the fact that she's becoming more and more of a household name. Um, you know, Brianna Stewart, who is probably the you know, best women's basketball player in the world right now. Um, you know, she's finally coming back. She could torn her Achilles, is finally yeah. back mm-hmm. healthy and getting getting into shape again. Um, you know, but she was the the reigning WNBA MVP before she got hurt. So it's like, it's really kind of hard to argue. There's a whole lot of better female basketball players in the world mm-hmm. than her. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's like the, the more that you bring those names up, the more that you, you know, they, there was that say your, say her name movement. And it's, it's huge because it's like so many times it's like, Oh, like this player on whatever team, it's like, you wouldn't do that in the men's game. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't just dismiss their name. Um, and so you ha- you have to treat it the same way. And the thing is, is I, honestly, I believe this is if we did treat it the same way, if we gave them the respect and coverage that they deserved, it probably would have a much bigger following. Maybe not the same as the men's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know that that's the same. I don't know that they would do definitely all things equal would be quite as popular because there's just people that will find reasons not to like it. And some of them are valid. I'll give them that. But when the truth is, is like if if you inv- if if as a country we invested the resources and time into covering women's sports that we do into covering men's sports, there would be a lot more fans of women's sports oh of course so i'm working on a project right now um with a three-time olympic volleyball player two-time silver medalist uh, that's a humble brag right there she's she's incredible oh my god she's so amazing Um, who's this uh her name's Lindsay napella berg she oh i just uh, listened to that one actually i listened to that show a couple weeks ago i listened to the yes she's that was i think maybe when i listened to it was the most recent episode so i just yeah yeah yep yep you're perfect you're perfect hawaii bound right for hawaii yeah she was she was cool She's, she's so cool. And she's working on this project. Um, you heard it, but I'll let everybody else know um, yeah, yeah. about helping young girls with understanding and looking up to sports figures that are also female. Um, you know, she has all these incredible statistics, like, you know, 40% of youth sports are played by girls, but only 4% of time on ESPN and sports center is dedicated to women's sports. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where if we just saw it more often, it would be something that would become more normal, but it really yeah. isn't, uh, you know, it's just something that's not, I mean, I'll watch the NCAA women's uh, March madness because it's just as crazy sometimes. And I want to watch you guys. I, I really like watching the final fours. Like I will sit down and watch those final four games because it's the four best teams in the nation. And I want to see the four best teams in any sport 
play against each other in a one and done situation. Like, I don't care what the sport is. I want to watch that. I'll watch curling in that situation. I don't care. So there's so many (laughs) cool things and there's so many cool opportunities. And I think, you know, women's sports obviously has a long way to go, but you know, hopefully again, the more we talk about it, the more it's out there, the more opportunities will be. Yeah. That's the thing is I think there's, there's so much that people can, you know, it's like, Oh, what can I do? It's like, just have the conversation, bring it up, talk about it, be interested in it. I mean, the the fact is, is like, uh, it's so true. Like the more that you follow something, the more that you invest the time into it, the more interested you're going to be. Exactly. And the reason why it's like, I I am a diehard NFL fan. I love watching football. That's because I invest so much time. I know the players. I know the themes. I know the storylines. You know, I watch football for nine hours on a Sunday. So exactly. Yeah. I do the same thing. Pretty invested. Oh yeah. So it's one of those things where if, if you did that and not maybe I'm not saying that you just sit down and watch women's college basketball for nine hours on a Sunday, because that's mm, actually more often difficult. than not when they play it might be a little bit tricky, but it might be difficult. Um, well, it's also hard too. I mean, there's so many of the games are still not on television. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Oregon women's this year have been, it's hard because there are, there are some games, even regionally, sometimes they aren't on in local markets. Like it's, it's, I feel like ESPN plus has been huge for that. Just to plug your company yeah. again. I, I oh, feel definitely. like you're, I see a lot more sports, uh, female sports specifically. I mean, I, I feel like any night of the week you could watch any college females volleyball oh, yeah. team in the entire nation for whatever reason oh, it's yeah. always on. And I mean, volleyball is an awesome sport as we were just talking about, you know, helping out Lindsay. Um, yeah. But you know, I think volleyball, you know, soccer, like all these sports now. I mean, you could watch a lot of women's rugby. I kind of was flipping through the channels one yeah. day and I saw that. I was like, what's up? Okay, very cool. So, I mean, I think with the the expansion of ESPN into ESPN Plus and ESPN3 and a lot of these other opportunities, um, I think that's going to help significantly because it's at least bringing it closer to the surface now. As you said before, mm-hmm. you couldn't find it. Now it's at least starting to get a little closer to the surface where people might have the opportunity to actually check right. out. It's better than it used to be, but it's still got a long way to go. Like there have been a number of games this year when Oregon has played against another ranked team. A lot of the times they will be on like the Pac-12 network because that's just you know they'll. Well, that's the Pac-12's fault because that's a whole other conversation. But anyways. yeah, well, yeah. So that's a whole different thing. I won't get into the whole media rights side of things with that. But I mean, yeah, definitely with ESPN Plus too. Is it's interesting because it's like I don't know how much people actually know about this. That's not our. We're not. Um, we're not producing those games. Like that's not more often than not. Sometimes that's, you know, it's, it's different, but more often than not, we're not the ones producing those things. Like you can watch like Dartmouth play Princeton in, in tennis, but like we're not going out there and like going, setting up cameras, sending people on site. It's more that we're taking those already existing streams and giving them a larger platform. Um, obviously we need to find a way to financially benefit from that, which is why there's the, you know, the paywall, but mm-hmm. it's $5 a month. Like, you know, <laughs> I think it's actually only $4. I think it's three ninety nine a month to get ESPN plus. And I can tell you as a, as a person who has ESPN plus, it is so worth it. I love oh this God. stuff so much. Absolutely. Especially so we have the, uh, the Hulu Disney plus and ESPN plus okay. bundle. So it kind of yeah. wrapped into one. It was very, yeah. very I have well Disney, worth it. Yeah. I have Disney plus as well. I've yet to get the bundle because I, so I will say one of the perks of my job is I actually have ESPN plus access for free through work. Whoa. Yeah. So Watch out. Cool. Big man on campus. I all know. Right, I'm getting Chris. comped a whole three ninety nine. I was going to say, you, you said awesome. it on me, but man, all three ninety nine of it, it's coming back to you, brother. Yeah, but the thing is, is like it's cool. I love, I love some of the stuff they've done on there. Obviously, there are so many more live sports you can watch, and it just expands our ability to do stuff behind the scenes. Um, I personally have loved this year. They've done Peyton's places, the yep, like, where yep. Peyton Manning is gone. Done some. I'm still behind on that. I've not watched all of them yet, but I've watched probably the first like fifteen, maybe or so of those, maybe a little more than that. But still, it's like there, there are some great stories that now get to coming back to that whole storytelling thing. 
is there are some amazing stories that are, you know, kind of tangentially related to sports, but uh, really are just kind of really interesting stories in their own right that even without the sports aspect of it, I think people would pay attention to. Everybody loves a good story, man. Everybody loves a good story and hopefully, hopefully everyone will love your story too. And, and to wrap this one up, um, we've been talking for a little while. I'm enjoying it. I hope you're enjoying it. Like, oh, yeah, I hope man. everyone I else there out this. there listening, they're enjoying <laughs> it as well. Um, they're probably getting sick of us by now, but no, 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 I think they're fine. Um, if they made it this far, they're, they're having a good time. That's so true. <laughs> the, the last thing I'd like to talk about a little bit with you, um, and I don't know how, how uh, you and I spoke about it on the phone and I don't know how much we want to speak about it here, but I guess kind of like sure. the next career moves that you're looking for obviously you love working at espn you're not leaving there anytime soon no, um, god no but like what are what are some of the things that you're trying to do at espn i mean being the guy that sends notifications to my phone really appreciate you i think that's awesome but i'm sure there's a couple <laughs> other things that you'd like to another another couple of rungs of the ladder you'd like to get up so what are some of the things that you're trying to get into now yeah, sure. I mean, that's definitely the thing is I, I like what I'm doing. I cannot complain at all about where I am right now uh, career wise. It has been an amazing like start. I mean, this, this is my, this is my first job out of college, like my first like real like job. Um, so you know, I, I did plenty of odd jobs to, over the summer before I got hired, but we won't really get into that. Um, some house painting, found out that I could paint houses, not well, but I could do it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We'll hire you. So, yeah. Uh, so it's just one of those things that like, I, I cannot complain at all, but like, yeah, if I want to look ahead to where I see myself down the line, um, yeah, I would love to get involved and do some, some stuff with the ESPN podcasting team there. I think they do some phenomenal work and uh, so many things between, uh, you were talking about the earlier, the daily podcast, the 30 for 30 podcast, they do the, the low post podcast, um, Woj's own podcast. Baseball tonight. Baseball yeah. tonight. I listen to that all day or every day during yeah. baseball season. That's my favorite one. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many things and they're expanding still. They're still adding so much to it. So I think there's there's so many things that I think would just be fun to do in that. And I love the medium in general. Uh, I think it's, it's just such a cool one to work in and there's so much that you can do because it's, it's weird. Like obviously you're never going to get the same spotlight on it because it's not live. That live sports, live anything will, will continue to be the driving force behind literally any media ever. It's the only uh, reason I have cable still. Exactly. That's the thing. Literally. Like you, yeah. Like you still, like, I will admit that I don't actually have cable, but I still, like, you know, my parents do. So I still use their login for certain yeah, things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I respect but, that. I respect that. Yeah. So, like, you know, I can still watch certain things live, but, and obviously, I'm spoiled because a lot of it, uh, I can just watch while I'm at work if it's sports because I'm, I have to. <laughs> uh, I get to. Have get to. to. Get know, to. Heavy, get to. heavy air quotes on have to. Um, it's required for my job, but I would probably be doing it anyway. So, uh, you know, it's just it, those, those opportunities. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I, I, one of my coworkers described it once. It's like, what am I going to do? What a job in the real world. Like it doesn't even feel like the real world. Cause it is literally like I, I work at ESPN. I sit down, I watch sports and I send people like alerts on their like notifications on their phone about it. Like, or I sit and I wait for somebody to, hand me a brand new Jeff Passan piece and then, you know, decide, Hey, you know what? This is really interesting. This is when like, you know, Hey, we just got some, it's, oh, I'll give the example. I was the last time I was in Monday, Monday night, we had him write a whole story um, kind of reflecting on how difficult it would be to punish Astros players individually for the whole sign stealing scandal. Um, so and that was like, okay, well, this is obviously been the biggest story of the MLB offseason. That's going to the MLB lead right away. So it's like, I mean, that's that's what I get to do. And I get like that is my job. I get they paid pay for you. That. Yeah, they pay you to I do know. that. I don't know how I managed to convince them to do that, but 
they still haven't stopped doing it yet. Like the, you know, the check still hits and it's still good. So, um, well, I mean, I think we talked about it, man. We know why, right? Like it's because you've been doing it for so long already. I mean, not the obviously like, Hey, let me send you notifications to your phone. That'd be creepy and weird. But like, it's more the fact that you've been (laughs) in the media, you've been, you've been running your own podcast. You've been writing for however long you've had your own blog. You've been on TV and Syracuse, like all these things obviously add up. And again, it's it's free expertise or it's free um you know it's free work essentially at that point but now it's gotten you to this spot which will then get you to more so i mean we know why you you got it right like because you've Mm -hmm. done it a lot and you know in your first year you already had five or six years of experience doing some of this stuff so it makes sense and you took the opportunity you ran with it man and that's why that's why i wanted to have you on i think you got a really cool story and you got a, a huge passion for multiple things Again, God, did yeah. not know how much I was going to talk about women's college hoops today, but I learned a lot and I love it and I'm all for yeah. it, man. So, um, you know, dude, this was absolutely fantastic. Do you have any parting words you'd like to leave with everyone? I just honestly, man, I, I love the work that you're doing, man. I think this Thank is, you. this is really fun, it. a really fun concept for a show. Um, it's, it's I know not that, that revolutionary. It's just, no, it's not, but it's here. fun. Yeah. Um, that's all I'm looking for. Like, here to have yeah. a good time, man. Just here it's, to have a good time. You know, the best, the best of this stuff. I feel like is, you know, as I've said over and over again, it's, you know, there's sports at the core of it, but a lot of times you talk about a lot of other things that don't even have to do with sports. So um, I appreciate it. I, I really would like to thank you for bringing me on. I think this is, no. I had a lot of fun with it. I know that you do because this is what you do all the time. All the time. Um, but yeah, as somebody who, you know, I have a lot of respect for what you're doing because I, you know, I'm trying to get, I struggle to get podcasts at once a week, maybe once a month, whatever it is. I've got a couple of shows that I work on that, you know, it's, uh, you know, kind of dictated based on what my schedule is, what the other person's schedule is. So the fact that you're, you know, already got 40 out this year, I'm like, Oh my God, I think I've published five. <laughs> but see, the thing is you're already getting paid to do what you're doing. Um, but not, not really. I, I'm doing but, this on the uh, side. I'm not getting still, paid to make the podcast, but you're going to, that's the one thing. day. You're baby. in the spot. Your foot's already in the door. You're already trying to get in on that ESPN podcast. I need to, I need to show my worth, man. I got to get that yeah. 200, 250 out and let people know that by the end of next year, when I've done 500 people yeah. be like, okay, cool. This guy knows what he's doing. But um, if, you don't mind where where can everyone find you online oh sure uh gosh i have like a million different things that i do at this point so okay. if you're interested I, a million i'll boil it down to blog stuff is aftermathsports.com um i've got obviously all my own writing that i do on there my podcast that i do every week on the nfl draft uh i've been pretty good about getting that out on thursday mornings so um, those come out then, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at C 84, uh, M C G L Y N N. Um, there's not really a whole lot interesting going on there, but I have a couple other ones that I use. I have the aftermath one. I have an aftermath Twitter handle, um, that you can check out. I also have the ultimate podcast, um, which I'm on, on Twitter at the ultimate cast, uh, podcast was too long. So, um, looking back now, I probably should have just gone with ultimate podcast, but you know, it's cool. You yeah. Live and let learn. Yeah. Um, I mean, so those at are the, the time you probably should have saw that too, but looking back on it, you're right. It's, it's okay. We're good. Yeah. We're good. I probably should have seen that immediately, but I was like, yeah, the ultimate cast. I don't know. But anyway, so you can find me there. Uh, if you're interested in ultimate Frisbee at all, or if you really just were curious to learn more about the sport, I've had some phenomenal interviews with people from all across the country around the world. Actually, I've interviewed players from other countries, which has been really neat. Um, it's taken me places that I never thought I would go. I, I went to Cincinnati last summer or two summers ago now, I guess 2018, uh, and covered a world ultimate 
uh, tournament there. Like literally like there were teams from Germany, Australia, Great Britain, Mexico, uh, the Netherlands, Belgium, like stuff that I, like my worldview expanded a lot during that. Uh, I got a chance to go to San Diego uh, later that year, which Not was fantastic because be. it was October. Oh, um, nice. oh my God. It was so nice. I would go back in a heartbeat to go cover uh, the USA ultimate, which is the governing body in the country uh, host hosted nationals there. So I got a chance to do play by play at the national championships and, you know, do live reporting on, you know, on, uh, you know, kind of on site, which was just an experience in its own right. It's just, I mean, there are so many things. It's been so much fun with this. So, I'm getting into rambling again. So the biggest places to find me, um, you can definitely go check out aftermathsports.com at the ultimate cast, the ultimate podcast. You can find it pretty much any podcast network at this point. I'm hoping I've been trying to get that out there as much as I can. And then uh, if you want to check it out, I'm on ulti world as well, which is the ultiworld.com. I've written some stuff for them. I help run stall seven, which is the AUDL American ultimate disc league podcast that we do semi pro men's league that they run there. Um, so covering that, that's it kind of in the off season, the season starts in like a month. So we'll be ramping up a lot more what we're doing there in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, you know, just trying to stay busy everywhere. No, exactly. That's what I mean. Again, we know why you got the job because you've been doing all this shit for so long. So, um, and don't worry everybody. I'm going to have Chris send me all the links because nobody caught that. So no, not at all. That's actually, yeah, probably what you were trying to tell me before. No, no, no. I I, I just didn't, I I was going to, but then you started getting into it and I was like, all right, let's just roll with it. But, um, Chris, this was awesome. Uh, Yeah, man. Uh, Appreciate your time today. And, uh, I'll have you on again, probably in about a month. Talk about the NFL draft. Sounds good. I would love to do that. That sounds like a lot of fun. I, uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. So best yeah, of man. luck going forward with some of the other ventures you got going on. I know you're very busy as well and, uh, look forward to listening to this one and then a bunch of the other shows that you put out. As Can't it goes wait, on. man. All right. Talk to you soon, brother. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and really all the episodes of for the love of sports. Sincerely appreciate your time. I know it's the only thing we don't get more of. So I really do appreciate you giving me a little bit of yours and thank you that's really all i can say like this is easily the most fun i get to have on a daily basis so if you know anybody that you think would have some fun hanging out with me for 45 minutes to an hour to just chop it up about what they do in sports there's so many opportunities in the industry and i really want to help people understand young kids college graduates career changers that there are so many different things you can do in this industry you don't just have to be an athlete you don't have to be a coach or an executive you can work at some of these incredible companies and with like these incredible people that you've heard before so please 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 if you could give us a five-star review on apple on spotify wherever the heck you get your uh podcast please give us a review please share this and yeah tell your friends about it it's a lot of fun for me so if you know anybody as i said that would like to come on i'd love it but if you just share it with your friends and they learn a little bit That's good enough too. So thank you all so much and I hope you make it a wonderful day.